0: This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Ameson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Today, we're going to continue on. We're going to be in John 12. We're going to continue on. This is part four of this Blessed series. It says this in John 12. We're going to start in verse one. It says, Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him, with Jesus. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. I've always loved this story. I don't know about you, I've always loved it. Uh, of course, you've got Mary here who's given this amazing uh, gift, if you will, this sacrifice, because this was something very costly. And, and very often I just think of her at Jesus' feet just doing this. But just as a heads up, there's multiple Marys that we read about in the Gospels. Of course, probably the one that we most hear about would be the Virgin Mary, Jesus' mother. There's also Mary Magdalene, but this was actually uh, Mary of Bethany. In Luke 10, this is the same Mary. If y'all remember, there was a time where uh, Jesus was at a home, and Mary and Martha are there. Martha's in the kitchen, and Mary's in front of Jesus, just absorbing everything that he's saying. And Martha kind of gets a little frustrated. She's like, hey, um, Jesus, would you tell her to come help me? Anybody ever been that way from the kitchen? And if you remember, Jesus basically said, Mary's getting the good stuff right now. But this is the same Mary and Martha. Uh, They were sisters. So Mary's poured out this this awesome oil, this expensive oil on Jesus' feet. Verse 4, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Verse 6, This he said not that he cared for the poor. This Judas said not that he cared anything about the poor. But because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take whatever was put in it. Very interesting, isn't it? So you've got Mary who gave such an extravagant gift, an expensive gift. She's at the feet of Jesus. She's worshiping. And then you've got, wait for it, one of Jesus' disciples. One of the 12 who pops off and makes this statement right here. And he gets all upset because of what she did. With Mary we see a heart of generosity. How many of you know we serve a generous God, right? We've talked about that. We serve a generous God. Uh, Then you've got, with Judas, you've got a heart of selfishness. You've got a heart of greed. Uh, I want you to just always remember that that God is generous and that Satan is selfish. And in the story, Judas had selfishness, uh, a heart of selfishness. Mary had a heart of generosity. But what she did here was significant, and this cost her a ton of money. Uh, now, just a question for you. Based on what the Lord's done in my life, based on what the Lord's done in your life, could we ever give the Lord too much? Come on now. Could, could, could we ever give the Lord too much? Because whenever we look at what she did and what this was worth, it was worth a ton of money. And, and I believe we all want to be generous. Can everybody say amen to that? Nobody in here says, I want to be stingy. You know, I really would like to just continue on my pattern of stinginess. Nobody says that, do they? I mean, if so, we can pray for you right now. But I think we all really want to be generous, but sometimes we're not generous based on certain situations. But just some thoughts on generosity today. The first one is this, is that the enemy of generosity is actually selfishness. That's the enemy of generosity. We're all born selfish, but thankfully we're born again generous. Now, how many of y'all would agree that you were born selfish? All right, for the rest of you liars, uh, let me go ahead and just prove to you that you were born selfish. How many of y'all got children? How many of y'all, whenever your children are young, their favorite word is mine? Right? We hear that out of small children. So, for instance, in our house, we've mostly heard it out of Audrey. That's not to pick on Audrey. It's just because Cash didn't have anybody taking his stuff from him. But Audrey's got some competition, right? So if you got, how many of you all second child is where y'all really started hearing the word mine? And so there's definitely a time that after a while you hear mine, 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 mine. And then finally you're like, son, just give it to her. But it's mine, dad. I don't even care. Just make her stop, right? Y'all ever been there before? It's what happens. It's very interesting though that the Lord says that the tithe is mine or his. And as we grow in our relationship with him, whenever we begin to have that renewal of the mind, we'll truly see that it is all of his and that it's not ours. And we're just returning back to him what's his, right? But that's actually what he calls the tie, that it's his. But but Judas is watching this beautiful thing happen. I mean, here Mary is, and Mary's just worshiping at the feet of Jesus, giving him this very costly gift. And then Judas all of a sudden pops off. And he probably thought he was sounding spiritual, but we know that the heart wasn't right, right? And so he just kind of shoots his mouth off, and he interjects, probably trying to be spiritual sounding, but it was actually selfishness talking. Have you ever heard anybody say something like what Judah said? You know, like, why didn't you do this with the money instead? Anybody ever heard that? Uh, you know, you could have done this or that with the money. Why, why didn't that get used to feed the poor, People say that kind of stuff, and that's what Judas said. You know, why wasn't this sold for a whole lot of money and given to the poor? And people often will say those kinds of things with a wrong heart. And so sometimes I remember whenever people make those critical statements, well, it was Judas who betrayed Jesus who coined that phrase, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I want to say this to you. If anybody's ever popped off and said that to you, if you're faithful with giving to the Lord, and if you give whenever the Holy Spirit tells you above the tithe, You don't have to listen to them. Don't ever let them throw any kind of guilt on you, all right? Just a thought right there. But Mary gave this extravagant gift. And in a nutshell, y'all, I think a lot of times we consider extravagance to be just a little bit more than what we can afford. Let's talk about that just for a second. Because, Because sometimes we get a little fleshly whenever we start to look at what other people have. Has anybody ever done that before? God blesses people all the time. And sometimes jealousy wants to set in just a little bit, right? So we can look at, I don't know, uh, Tyler and I were talking about Teslas a while back. We can look at somebody that has a Tesla and we can say, oh, that's extravagant. It's extravagant until you can afford to buy one. Then all of a sudden there's something else that's extravagant. What you've got isn't extravagant. Come on now, don't shout me down. You can live in a certain neighborhood and not be real happy about it want to live in another neighborhood and say, well, that one's extravagant. Well, until you move into it, then all of a sudden it's not extravagant anymore, is it? A lot of times that's kind of how we look at extravagance. And verse 5 says that, that Judas said this not because he cared for the poor. It was because ultimately he was a thief. And unfortunately, sometimes as believers we have the wrong heart and we make these kind of statements... And sometimes believers are making these kind of statements, but they're actually stealing from God as well and not giving God what's His. Amen? It happens from time to time. And honestly, if we say some of these statements like Judas said, we need to put our money where our mouth is and not just say these things, but actually do these things. Come on now. I told you all the story one time. We were in San Antonio, Texas one day, or one time as a family and this was years ago, my sister and I were still in high school, and there was somebody doing some street preaching. And man, they were, they were going. I mean, they were going hard, just straight gospel, but they were yelling as they did it. And I popped off and said something negative about the person. <clears throat> but I remember Ann Amoson looks at me, and again, I, I criticized someone who was sharing the gospel. Maybe, in my opinion, it wasn't the best way of doing it, But I said something and she looked at me and she said, so what are you doing to lead people to the Lord? (laughs) Well, I guess I'm just going to (laughs) hush. I made sure I didn't criticize anybody else after that while mom was around, amen? But you know, if we're going to make some of these statements, we need to put our money where where our mouth is, amen? We need to be doing the right thing. But looking at Judas, uh, just as a heads up, y'all, some thought that Judas, or some feel that Judas was the only non-Galilean of the twelve. Iscariot, his last name, actually indicates that he was a locksmith, which would have been the reason that he carried the money box, had the key. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus's ministry with the disciples, Scripture does show us that they traveled, of course, they were all over the place, uh, that people gave to the ministry. And so Judas was kind of the keeper of the funds. The sad thing about it is is that uh, even based on this scripture right here, it shows us that Judas was not honest with the money, literally stole from Jesus' ministry. Uh, And it's sad that his history shows that ultimately he wanted to lock Jesus up for more money. But understand that Judas didn't get the money box from Jesus because Jesus didn't want to set him up for failure. Jesus actually wanted to give him the opportunity to pass and not fail. He, he really did. And I want you to know this, that, that the Lord will test us at times, not tempt. James 1 says God tempts nobody, right? But he will test us at times, and he's going to see if we're going to be faithful with what he's given us. We have the opportunity to prove that we're going to be faithful to what he's given us. And Judah stole from Jesus's ministry, and I don't think any of us would ever do that. Like, as the offering bucket passes by, you you wouldn't ever pull any money out, would you? Why is it some of y'all are looking at your spouse like, would we? (laughs) No, of course, none of you would ever do that, right? None of you would ever do that. At the same time, we would never keep what's supposed to be in it either, now would we? Because the Lord calls that the same thing. He says, whenever you don't give what's mine, and as a reminder, it's all his, then he says that we're actually stealing from him. So, number one, the enemy of generosity is selfishness. Number two, generosity can be extravagant. Generosity can be extravagant. Now, once again, God gave us the most extravagant gift whenever he gave us Jesus. Amen? Uh, the, The greatest gift ever. Uh, in scripture, you'll also see extravagant gifts such as David gave extravagantly to Solomon to build the temple. Just as a heads up, whenever you look at what the word says that David gave, if you were to convert that into modern day dollars based on like what things are worth, it's over $20 billion. Not million. Billion's a lot more than million. They're saying it's $20 plus billion dollars, what David gave. Whenever Solomon was set in as king, normally you would sacrifice a bull. Solomon said, let's sacrifice a thousand. That was a long day of sacrificing, wasn't it? Let's sacrifice a thousand. And then you've got a widow in the New Testament. She gave everything she had. Y'all remember her? It wasn't a thousand bulls. It wasn't 21 billion She had two mites, but it was everything she had. It was an extravagant gift. And so then whenever we get back here to to Mary, who we've been talking about, uh, she gave something that was worth 300 denarii. Now, just as a heads up, uh, a denarii back in the day was considered a day's wage. So what would that be today? I, I don't know. I guess we just have to base it on what do we make per day? If it was $100, if it was $200, you can do the math. It could have been anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $50,000 as income. And that's just giving us an idea, you know. It was obviously very expensive. Now, not only did she just give it to Jesus, she actually poured it out on his feet. What an act of worship. I mean, to, to give a full year's income, basically to Jesus. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just think that's pretty amazing. Uh, And by the way, thinking about that, just something that I find really interesting, thought about this week and did a little bit of research on it. The fragrance that she poured out on Jesus' feet, this was shortly, like just before the triumphant entry. And that smell, because it said it filled the house, right? So it was obviously a strong smell. It's not like you just took one shot of cologne or perfume, it was obviously a smell that filled the house, so it had to be strong. For that kind of money, it should be, right? But that fragrance, whenever you look at it, it was basically something that normally kings would have. The triumphant entry happens just after this, whenever you read it. Whenever Jesus was being accused, just a few days later, that smell could possibly have been smelled by those accusing him. While he was being nailed to the cross for you and I, the king of kings, that kingly smell could have possibly been smelled by those who were nailing him to the cross. Isn't that amazing? That that smell could have been on him whenever he was going through all of that. And if you remember in verse 7, Jesus says this to Judas. He said, she did this for my burial. She did this for my burial. This is actually the only anointing Jesus received because it was too late whenever they put him in the tomb. And if you remember, they came back with 100 pounds uh, of spices that Sunday morning, which was the first day of the week. Y'all remember that? They got there, but but remember he like took an early checkout? (laughs) So this was actually the only anointing that Jesus received was by Mary. Isn't that just beautiful? To me, I don't know, I think it's awesome. So her gift was extravagant. Just as a heads up, because we've been talking about the tie the last few weeks, uh, whenever you look at, at giving in the Word, you could actually see that there's kind of like three different types of giving in the Word. Uh, there's tithes, and that's the first tenth the Lord asked for of the gross that we receive, or that we earn, and again, it's all His. There's offerings, that's above the tithe, and then there's also something called extravagant offerings. So we just read about some extravagant offerings in the Bible. There's also offerings, like we said, above the tithe. And, and just as a heads up, whenever you look at, at believers in America... Uh, The Barna Group, and maybe you've heard of some of their studies, but the Barna Group is actually a research group that does nothing but studies about the church and Christians, and and they're legitimate. It's not like crooked media or anything, right? I mean, like, they're legitimate. Their heart's for the church. But the Barna Group actually did a study in September of this year that said 42% of believers report that they tithe truly 10% uh, of their gross income. Uh, They also said that 25% don't give at all, And then that other, it's 33% that's left, uh, gives something. But here's some good news for you. Whenever you look at the three different types of giving there, if you ever get to the first, the tithe, can I go ahead and tell you, you are then equipped to do the others. Because according to the Word of God, Malachi 3, the Lord's going to open up the windows of heaven and bless you whenever you do that first thing. And so he automatically equips you to where you can do the others. Come on, somebody. He equips you to where you can just be even more and more generous. And and giving above the tithe isn't required, but we've just seen it in our life that God just likes to bless even more whenever we just are, are more and more generous. As a matter of fact, talking about like offerings and extravagant givings, I just want to tell you something that the Lord put on my heart years ago. I didn't hear this from a pastor. I didn't nobody spoke this into my life. Uh, Regina and I started this thing years ago, and it was actually 2007 to be exact. Uh, Our family was going through a really hard time. And I love the Old Testament. I could just almost like live in the Old Testament. But you see so many times in the Word whenever the Lord would bring a group through a breakthrough, or he would bring them victory, that they would stop and they would sacrifice. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all have read that before? I was reading that one day, and and I was just like, I want to be able to do this. And so, there's been times whenever we're going through battles in our life, and we just sow a seed because it's like God, we're believing you for victory in this situation. And then there's other times whenever God brings victory, it's just like, whoa, we didn't see that coming. We want to just give a sacrifice to the Lord. And God always, always just just seems to bless more and more because we can't outgive God, right? We can't outgive God. As a matter of fact, Regina today, she's holding the check because we're believing for a breakthrough in our life, something that we really need. And so I asked her on the way down, I said, can we sow a seed into this? And she said, yeah. And so you can never out-give God. And I just want to encourage you today, whenever you start giving that tenth, God's just going to open up the windows of heaven. He's going to bless you, and it's going to allow you to just be even more and more generous. Amen. And here's the thing there's gonna be times where you may think, and the Lord may speak to you listen, bless somebody and bless them hard. <laughs> Come on, bless them hard, right? But my parents gave a car to somebody. They've given two cars away, actually. My parents gave two cars away, and I'll tell you this it hurt whenever they gave them away for just a bit. I mean, it's a car, it's not a gift certificate to Chili's, it's a car. And, and you know, it, yeah, they were used cars, but they were worth it. You know, the value at least had three zeros at the end of it, right? So it was significant. But they never regretted it. Anytime the Lord's ever asked us to do something more like that, it's just like, all right, we feel like it's going to hurt. But, man, after we do it, whenever you've been obedient, the Lord just takes care of you, and there's never any regret. Anybody ever been there before? There's never any regret. All right, number three, generosity is always rewarded. Somebody say it's always rewarded. Now, there was no agenda behind what Mary did. No agenda whatsoever. She came to Jesus. She gets at his feet. She just begins to worship him. She pours this out on his feet, this very costly oil, yet Judas is upset. He's upset by it. I feel like if somebody, you know, another disciple was around, they probably should have looked at him and been like, what does this even have to do with you, right? Is it odd that Judas was upset that she was pouring it out on the feet of Jesus, the one that he knew was the Son of God? I don't know, it seems so strange to me. But it meant so much to Jesus that he actually says this, and this is Mark's account of this story, Mark 14, 9. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jesus says, listen, they're going to be talking about this for years to come. For years and years to come, what she's done today. And why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? Has anybody been thinking, why would she have done that? There's a very simple answer. You can just flip just some chapters previous to what we read just a minute ago. See, two months prior, her brother was dead. We read that Lazarus was there and he was sitting with Jesus at the table. You see, two months prior, she and her sister, they were distressed. If you remember, she and her sister were were crying because their brother had passed away. But God. But Jesus showed up, and he raised Lazarus from the dead, didn't he? (laughs) Generosity comes from gratitude. It comes from gratitude. I want to ask you today, if the Lord raised a family member of yours from the dead, would that rock your world? Would all of a sudden you think to yourself, I, I could never, ever, ever thank Him enough. I could never, ever, ever give Him enough. Would we have the heart of the Lord just take it all? It's all yours anyway. Would, would that be our attitude if if we saw Him raise our family or raise us from the dead. Just a quick reminder that all of us who believe in Jesus, we actually have been raised from the dead. See, Ephesians says this in chapter 2, verse 1, says, And you He made alive, who were dead. Come on now. In trespasses and sin. We, we were dead, but He has brought us to life, He made us alive, didn't He? Mary didn't come, and she didn't get at His feet, and she didn't pour this out on His feet to to be rewarded. She did it because she loved Him. She did it because she knew He was the Son of God. She did it because she knew that that without the Lord, without Jesus, her her brother would have had no life. Something I want you to get today is that God always always rewards generosity. Always. Whenever we give expecting nothing back, like Mary, it's considered generosity. Whenever we give but we feel like God owes us something, it's selfishness. It's selfishness. Hebrews eleven six gives us this. It's just wonderful what it says. It says, But without faith, it's impossible. Somebody say impossible. It's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder. Somebody say rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Word of God calls the Lord a rewarder. God always rewards generosity. And actually, whenever you look at this word rewarder here in this Scripture, The way it's translated, whenever you start to do a word study on it, it's only in the word one time. Or I'm sorry, it's only in the New Testament one time, and it basically means he rewards with so much more than should be given. He rewards extravagantly. It doesn't even make sense. Whenever we're faithful to give to him, whenever we're faithful to bring to him what's his, he rewards us extravagantly. Amen. It's what he does. But I want you to to understand this. God rewards the attitude of our heart. And and this is seen in Scripture. Uh, If our heart's wrong, he he can't reward us. The heart's got to be right. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.